Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I'm your host, Harrison Starr. Joined as always, another host, Ben Ross, Harmon Chillabrew, the only man between 25 and 35 at uh, his latest dining adventure. Ben, how's it going? Uh, if you're taking 22 free throws, how many do you think you hit? If I'm just out, if, if I'm just out in my driveway, hopefully, I, hopefully it's over 50%. That's always the hope for me. I just, you know, especially if it's cold, if I'm in the environment that Iowa basketball was in last night, I make zero, I make zero out of 22 free throws. Yeah, I was thinking the best. I didn't even listen. Was asking about under per ideal conditions. I make eight. Okay. Yeah. And and you just described less than ideal conditions, and I bet the first three are air balls in that environment for me, at least. Yeah. The first three, and then there's several more coming, and then I think the fourth one probably hits front of the rim. And I feel like the fifth one is the only chance I have of making. And if I don't make it up to the fifth, then it's just game over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're alluding, of course, to the basketball game last night. And we'll, we'll get to that. Um, there, there were some other things I didn't want to discuss. But I, I think, you know, I, the thing that's in my benefit, Ben, is that I have been getting up a ton of shots on Elliot's Christmas gift in the last uh, two and mm. a half months. Got a little baby basket hoop, ball hoop for him. And I'm just, you know, every chance I get, I'm getting like 25 to, to 35 shots up on that thing, annoying everyone in my household. So, you know, maybe I'm pushing 60% in a gym. Um, but yeah, in a State Farm Center, the SFC, zero out of 22. Zero out of 22. Got another thing we have in common. So there were, before we get into women's basketball, because I I do want to lead with this from an Iowa sports perspective, heavy metal lawyer, call this out on it. I made it a priority since our last podcast. So we'll discuss it here in a little bit. But um, I did have one thing I wanted to bring up pop culture wise, the tourist and Ben, you're doing the point back at me deserved. The Tourist on HBO Max was a delightful show uh, with a cliffhanger ending. I just hate cliffhanger endings, you know, on these shows now. So um, uh, Christian Grey, Jamie Dornan was was the lead, and I, I'm coming in cold with this. Uh, but really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So I... I, sp- I haven't even... I. It's funny, like I keep up on television i listen to a tv podcast and they haven't even they have never mentioned the tour and the fact that it's on hbo should usually i mean they're right that's right in their wheelhouse um 
looks good. I've never even heard of it until now. It's one of those shows that, you know, I think you might like because it's centered around, and you find this out very quickly, a man who doesn't know who he is after a car crash. And it's got some crime elements and some humor elements to it. Very dry set in Australia. So, um, enjoyed it. My wife and I watched it over the last couple of days. That's what I just got out of, uh, you know, watching the last episode and very enjoyable show. So that that's it. I just texted, I just texted my parents in the other room to try that on. Cause they are done with 1883 and they are just besides themselves, beside themselves. Um, we've been enjoying, and I, I can't stand Yellowstone or 1883. We don't need to get into that. Uh, but we've been enjoying the marvelous Mrs. Meisel okay. together, which I really enjoy. That's a little bit, and that's my mom and dad's humor right up their alley. Okay, yeah, that's Western. Yeah. Did, did you ever watch Hell on Wheels? I bet your parents watched. I Hell couldn't on get Wheels. into Hell on Wheels. We watched. I don't think they did. Um, I watched Hell on Wheels a little bit in college, and I didn't. I didn't mind it. I. I mean, Western. Uh, I don't mind the genre. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's Yellowstone is a HBO show with a CBS budget, more or less, is the way. I really like Taylor Sheridan, the guy who wrote it um, and directed a lot of it. And, like, I think they, they were able to do it because they shoot it all on his, it's all shot on his actual property in, like, Wyoming or my, Montana. It's, like, 500 acres. And I think Kevin Costner bought to make Ridge for the show, too, or something. Uh, but it's just not for me, you know, uh, you know, we enjoy euphoria, which I'm not done with yet. Okay. I've been watching what I've really been enjoying is I've been watching severance on Apple. Ben Stiller wrote and directed it and it's with Adam Scott and it's the premise is basically, uh, work life and home life. Mm. <clears throat> they they sever, separate like your brain or something. So when you go to work, you don't know what you what your home life is like when you leave work. You don't know what you do for work, more or less. Interesting. As yeah. a, I don't know, principal, my wife and I have decided not to get into Apple television shows. We just, too many streaming services. That was the one where we decided, nope, not doing it. So the biggest... Uh, was it casualty of that is Ted Lasso? Is Ted Lasso? Yeah, that's um, which honestly I'm fine with. So that I guess that that was our take. That any anything else going on in in uh, the world of streaming and and what you're you're doing out there, Ben, and the good old AZ? Um, no, heading back to Chicago this week. Actually, okay. I just need uh need to make sure the uh, house is still it's not set on fire back there. Um, it's, I've been here for a long time and I think my, me and my parents need to break from each other, which is totally normal. Makes sense. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't stand to watch my dad eat half, half of an avocado and wrap it up in plastic wrap only to throw it away the very next day. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't do it again. Well, Ben, uh, there's a room here. What? Uh, with your name on it, if you want to see someone 31 years old going on 32, do the exact same thing. At one point, there were two avocado, two halves of avocados wrapped in saran wrap in our fridge. And I was, I was the, the, 
guilty party, as they say. I don't think my parents are alone in this, but I truly believe that the world single-use plastic problem will die once my parents die. <laughs> I watched my dad empty a full bag of chips into a gallon Ziploc bag. <laughs> Just for shits and giggles. Yeah, I just couldn't handle it. We need to get do they, so they don't have one of the resealers. I feel like they would just. Well, no, they have the chip clips. It's just like my dad. He like he does. He purposefully opens a bag of chips incorrectly. So already, it just like can't be sealed back up appropriately because he like tears it off of its side i can't like he, he tears a he opens like, a bag lengthwise slices it down yeah, it's like, it's like slicing it even though nobody does that it is it's insanity he's done it really my entire life but it's gotten to the point of no return now <laughs> incredible well i probably could get away with it when you were children because everyone would just drink that stuff or eat it immediately the bag it, of chips was gone, gone yeah. day after they were open yeah mm-hmm. but you mentioning chips this is not an ad, but I've had the single greatest chips over this week that I've ever had. Tim Star chips, barbecue flavors. They have uh, a normal barbecue one, but they have a barbacoa and a Santa Maria. Mm, delicious, incredible chips. Is that a local? They're from Texas. Place? Found them okay. at uh, Sam's Club. So probably one of those things where they're doing a run to see how successful they may be. Um, they're, they're very good. And I will keep my eye out on, on them for, for a long, long time. Um, a- anything else? Or you, you want to get straight into uh, the, the Big Ten champion? I, I, think we got, I think we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Let's besides, get into it. Besides so, carbs and um, speech TV. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, since we were accosted, um, I'm kidding. Uh, HML, uh, the, he, he did the right thing by getting mad at us for not watching the women's basketball team or, or covering them on this mm-hmm. here podcast because they're a delightful bunch. Um, I watched, I think it was the Indiana Rutgers and Michigan game. And then each of their wins in, the Big Ten tournament, and really just an incredible showing from them, I think, over the last, really, month and a half um, to to win the Big Ten in the regular season and then really go into a hornet's nest on a Sunday afternoon and bring home the tournament title as well. Three wins over Indiana in the course of like two weeks. Three, it was three wins over Indiana, and yeah, in two weeks or like 12 days or something. And I mean, also regular season and tournament champs, which I feel like um, it's pretty rare in across all sports. Um, and then watching them, I didn't watch any, unfortunately, I was golfing near the championship, but I did watch the, the previous two games of the Big Ten tourney. And whenever I think they were down as much by I, – I was checking the score on the golf game, and they were just down by much by like eight, weren't they? Eight or ten mm-hmm. in Indiana. And it was – it, it just felt like whenever they went down because of Caitlin Clark, when, whenever they were down or were facing some adversity, 
because of Caitlin Clark and I know Cesano stepped up and Warnock was great and all that throughout the, throughout the tourney. They just, they never felt like they're going to lose because having a Caitlin Clark on your team, who is just an absolute woman on fire pre- prevents Iowa from losing to the teams that they're playing. Yeah, it was genuinely kind of incredible to watch because I think there, there was an inevitability with them that I think you're kind of harping at. And to me, to have two 20-point scorers is... It makes for... We talk about Fran McCaffrey having an entertaining brand of basketball. Having two 20-point scorers, like, there's nothing quite like that because Sinano, Jan Jensen is just developing these centers to make every shot around the rim. It feels like it shouldn't happen when the ball doesn't go in. And they rode her against Indiana to, and she just couldn't be stopped. And they all can make those entry passes. Like Kate Martin's great. uh, Caitlin Clark, of course. uh, And then you have Gabby Marshall and Warnock and they all know how to get, Zanano into her spots. And then when you have Caitlin Clark, who's just willing to shoot any shot on the floor, it just totally delightful. So I think that is the number one takeaway is shame on me for not making them a little more of a priority. This, this winter in terms of my television intake. Shame on us, but good for everybody else mm-hmm. for making not just Iowa women's basketball, but I feel like the WNBA and NCAA women's overall is really having a moment of strong momentum in fandom. And actually I covered the women's team when I was at the DI for uh, a year and they were there. I mean, they're just so much fun to watch that group had Jamie Printy mm. um, and Melissa Dixon and some, and some good players. They were, they're good, not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bluter and Jensen, they were, st- they were still there, obviously. I, I'm sure it's still true, but at the time, uh, Lisa Bluter was the highest paid woman in the state of Iowa. Um, mm. and I'm sure her contract's only gotten bigger than, and totally deserving. Um, so that's, it's pretty great to see them. I think they, I mean, wasn't there the regular season game uh, finale, the senior night, uh, the, the uh, most attended women's game in Big Ten history? I, I know it was since at least like the nineties. I think that's what it was like a Minnesota Wisconsin okay. game. And I think maybe that's the game you're, you're referencing where they were down a little bit more in that first, in the first quarter, it just feels like they couldn't buy a bucket. And then Marshall hits, let like kind of running three as time expires. And you know that like when you hit a shot like that, the, the things that it does for a team psyche, I feel like are just incredible. And then they, ran a top 10 team out of the building. It, it was fantastic to watch. Do do we want to have any national player of the year discussion uh, as it pertains to? It, just, it feels like, and you talk, you don't talk about in Slack all the time is that just ESPN's already picked. Um, is it Aaliyah? Is that how you pronounce her first name? Aaliyah Boston mm-hmm. has just already picked her to be national player of the year, even though, She's on a lower ranked team now, right? Is, They're still the number um, one team in the country. 
Oh, I thought they moved down for some reason. No, uh, they they lost to Kentucky on. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, of. a last second shot. Um, what was going to say, even though, but Caitlin Clark beats her in every measurable statistic, right? So it's like, what are we even doing here? Here, here's where I play like devil's advocate to Iowa fans. Because I, I had some of this perspective when it was the Obi Top and Luca Garza back and forth. And it's like if you're flirting with the top twenty-five, I get best player on best team as a national player of the year sentiment. But what Iowa did to get their way into the top ten, sit eighth right now, uh, Big Ten champions tournament regular season that ticks all the boxes like there it's now no excuse for Caitlin Clark not to have it and I think Iowa fans sometimes have uh uh uh, not temptation but you know a bias towards feeling like they're it's them against the world and honestly if Caitlin Clark doesn't get it I 100% understand that sentiment now like I, it just feels like it would be so dumb, and the anti-Clark takes are what bug me more, more than anything, because it's just all disingenuous. Oh, she turns the ball over oh, all the time. Oh, it's all about yeah, it's all about <laughs> traveling and all that. The best one was like the five biggest leaders in NBA turnovers are all time are like Russell Westbrook, Michael Jordan. Kobe Bryant, which I realize is a longevity thing, but also what what's who's to say? Caitlin Clark's gonna be at Iowa for four years. She's gonna be playing basketball for a long, long time. So, like, gotta get started somewhere. Yeah, it's because she's a guard. She's a guard who has the ball in her hands all the time. And like to your point, Russell Westbrook, the year he won the MVP was like top five in turnovers. James Harden, same type of story. These are guys who have the ball in their hands all the time. And sure ding him for it, ding Clark for it, but she's also a whirling dervish on the basketball court, slinging passes all over the place. That's something that I didn't realize how good she is until like sitting down and watching these games is the passes she makes. She's like a got that kind of quarterback pliability where it it hits the the her teammates' hands real hard in, in a way that it's kind of like a, a quarterback throwing the football sensational team to watch. So um, I, I hope we did it justice with, with this segment, but um, the tournament will start in, you know, got, got a little ways before their tournament starts. I think the Saturday uh, of March madness and presumably they will be hosting plenty of games and selling plenty of tickets. Yeah, it'll be. I wonder what uh, <clears throat> what those games will look like. That's a haven't even thought about that, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. I remember going to one. It might have been like 2011. They they hosted games uh, at some point, and they draw a pretty decent crowd. Um, I, I would imagine it's only better than it was then, just because of the sentiment around this team. I mean, there is a real real fun sentiment around this team that must watch. Agree. Appointment viewing. 
Yep, yep, yep. Well, Ben, I, I guess uh, that brings mm-hmm. us to the men's team who, when we last talked, it was uh, coming off of their victory over Michigan State. And since then, I want to make sure I get this correct, that I had it up. I did not. Um, they finished 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. And since Michigan State beat Nebraska, beat Northwestern, beat Michigan, beat, got beaten at Illinois. So a three and one finish since we last talked. Uh, I know when we talked last, you were still a smidge skeptical. How, uh, how has your skepticism changed since then? I mean, it's, I think as, you know, and I was skeptical a few games, you know, when we last spoke, but even when I was still in Chicago, I remember saying, like, I don't think this team makes a tourney. I know I said that. And yeah. it just, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have to go back and, re- and replay those tapes. And obviously I'm happy, you know. Um, I, 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 I unabashedly cheer for Fran McCaffrey and his sons and unabashedly cheer against <laughs> Uh, a point guard at times. Um, but I, you know, cause I wanted to make all the shots, you know, I, I joke, but I, it's changed because Keegan Murray, I remember saying, it's like, I remember saying another, I know I said this a while ago too, something other, more stupid things I said, it was like he, Keegan Murray, not, not to say he didn't pass my eye test, but I just like, yeah, I, I think I said, I didn't see a lottery pick when I watched him play. And, Obviously, that's changed. That changed uh, because he started doing. I just think <clears throat> all these things. He was able to, you know, create. He, he just got better at shooting down the stretch. He got better at. Um, I think first, first of all, I think Iowa got better at getting him the ball. Yeah, too, because I do remember during sort of that blight, there would be possession after possession after possession where Keegan Murray didn't touch the ball on offense, which is just criminal. And now. Um, I couldn't tell you, you know, the last time that happened, obviously part of it is Bohannon has turned it on. Yep. Uh, Connor McCaffrey, it turned it on uh, a, a ton and everybody else is just playing well. Uh, Tony Perkins, especially, mm-hmm. you know, like last night was uh, an incredible game out of him. And he pretty sure he, did he have the, his first double double? Was it against Michigan state that, um, like that helped lead to that huge route. He's had plenty of good games since, um, you know, being inserted into the starting lineup. And <laughs> I guess what you would call last night, Iowa didn't, Iowa didn't they go up in the rankings in the AP rankings? I think they stayed the exact same. I think they were 24th okay. the week before and 24th this okay. week, but maybe um, they didn't I go they, up. I, went, I thought they went to the 23 for some reason, Okay, which is, which reminds me, I could be wrong. Uh, which reminds me of like, Iowa football in 2015, I think some some vote it, it, they they went down, but some AP voters ranked them ahead a couple spots after they lost to Michigan State in the championship game, and they called it a qual- Iowa's first quality loss um, of the season. Yeah, and that, that kind of felt like this wasn't Iowa's first quality loss. Well, I mean, kind of it was, but it also just showed me that they could go. And beat, you know, they were up by 15 at one point. Go, you know, Illinois probably to me has the, and I think you'll agree, 
has the makeup of having being able of it has the only roster to me that had that's capable of making a really serious run in the Big Ten um, because I just I haven't seen it from Iowa or from Purdue or Wisconsin I think right now and uh, outside of Iowa who I want to be homerish and say that it's just like Illinois to me. Um, being able to really, they, they should have won. They had every opportunity to win that game. Um, just ho- hopefully it's learning experience and um, on, it's tough to feel better about a, a loss than I do right now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's a lot to take from it. I, I think the, the first thing that I kind of come into is like, that's a, you stack some of these losses Iowa has and it's like they're they're inexplicable in the sense that they're not going to happen again like I mean I think the Rutgers game where they were held to 46 points that's not going to happen again so like you flush it you move on to, to me your point about the free throws like these are kids still kids right but they're they're guys who make free throws more than they miss them and I'm going to bet on them shooting well from the free throw line as we come down the stretch. Like Perkins in the postgame, he's like, I'm a 90% free throw shooter. I'm ticking myself for missing four. And I, I see some people are like, how Fran's got to tear the paint off the walls, yada, yada, yada. They know what they did wrong. Like, I, I don't think that getting an inside of their heads is any better than just giving them space, having them work through it. There's a great profile um, from Kennington um, in, in the Des Moines uh, Register where he talked about how, you know, uh, the Murray's mom is kind of their shot doctor. Like Keegan was going through some some struggles from the free throw line and she helped correct him. So I, I'm i going to bet on them like to, 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 to play no worse than they played uh, at Illinois. Um, and I also think, and this is a, a point that, uh, our old friend stoops my ass had in an email to me. He's like, Iowa isn't necessarily the type of program that can just stack wins in, uh, this time of year. So it's not like there's value in a loss, but there's the stuff that comes with a loss that allows Fran McCaffrey to, tweak and improve his team that doesn't necessarily come with the win. And I think Iowa did a great job of continuing to improve throughout their winning streaks, but sometimes you kind of need that reset with, with the loss. And um, it seems like mentally the team's really kind of locked in and, and I'm getting optimistic, even more optimistic than I was uh, last week spoke. I was going to say, reset you know it it because it just feel like a, a loss here feels different than a loss might feel or will feel in the big 10 tournament you know um a great a reset is important and it's like you know you just gotta flush it they're they're not gonna shoot 40 percent from free throws again they're and like the other thing too is like they had the chance to win it you know mm-hmm. it was the first time <laughs> Probably not the first, I, probably extrapolation, but like 
it, I thought the shot was going in. Yeah. I thought Chris Murray's shot was going in as soon as it left his hands. And I have never thought a game winning shot was going to go in <laughs> in my entire life of watching <laughs> Iowa basketball. So it was probably the first time ever I, I thought it was going in. And it's like, it was a good look. It was a good play. Like Tony Perkins said what the play was, it was like, I was supposed to drive and get two, but if I was flushed out, um, you know, to kick or if it was plugged up, I mean, I, I kick it out and it worked. Chris had a really good look and it's like, I, I don't, I, I like the shot. I like Chris taking that shot. I like it from the corner. Um, he's probably what, is he the third person you want to take in that shot on the team? It might be a tie with Keegan. I, I think Maybe not Bohannon that night, but like Bohannon in a vacuum is the guy you want to take the shot. Say Bohannon. I was going to say Bohannon on any given night. I'd probably go with him first, then Keegan, then Chris. Yep. Uh, I think Chris might actually be be right there with Keegan in in my opinion, but it's 2A, 2B. It, it, like, I thought Fran was great. Like he, he dialed up two shots that could have gotten Iowa ahead because I think the the – Free throws Keegan missed. You know, they happen. Um, but that was a good look. And um, I thought he did well by using Bohannon a little bit as a decoy, um, inbounding the ball, which is kind of a rarity in, uh, you know, Fran's basketball. I don't normally see the point guard take the ball out there. But also leveraging Perkins' great game um, to, to force defenders off of him. So, um, you know that's basketball. Like, I mean, we hear that's football all the time. Basketball, sometimes shots just don't go in and there's nothing that the shooter can do about them. And I think that free throws are a little bit of a different story, but the shot that Chris had there at the end, perfect. And, and you stand, where do you stand on two versus three in that situation? I would have liked to have gone for, I would have preferred to, so I'm glad, like they, I'm glad they didn't just immediately go for three. You know, yeah. they had a, it was option one was two, option B was three. Um, and if I was on a slightly hotter, I mean, up to that point, Chris was two for four from three. So like it wasn't yeah. like he was ice cold outside the, and Iowa had you know 38 percent from three. He'd try and be able just over 40. So it's not like they were ice cold shooting either, which is why, you know, if they were, uh, this was a few months ago and they were having a 22% night or a 10% night, then yeah, F that. But it just seemed like the the right call. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think I I would have been, (laughs) I just hate playing Illinois. So, so I was happy for that game to be over win or lose. Uh, So I, I was pleased to see it through, especially to your point. Felt like it was going in, looked like it was going in. It didn't. Um, but that's the way it goes. Um, I, I think I'm, Oh, go ahead. I'm more than okay with the court storming. I, I think I, I'm co-opting a point that Mark Titus has. It, I'm fine with court storming 99% of the time. The the 1% of yep. the time I, I I would have to find some really weird things to be weird about it. I think mm-hmm. the bad things with the court storming are the player 
fan interactions, there were some real ugly things said to Chris Murray. Um, that should never happen. But other than that, they're college kids, right? Enjoy it. And they won the Big Ten tournament title. Like, I mean, uh, freaking Wisconsin. God damn it. Yeah, I know. So I, I, I would have been mad if they stormed the court in that situation. If Wisconsin had beaten yeah. Nebraska and, and Illinois still decided to storm, that would have been a little frustrating. Yes, you're right. Yeah, it would have been a different. <laughs> and, and I bet they still would have stormed it. I mean, it's the type of game. Yeah. Where heat of the moment and warrants it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so do, do we want to talk broader Big Ten or do, do you have any, uh, any other uh, Iowa basketball takes uh, from the previous games? Well, I'm curious, do you think, here's another, maybe maybe it makes it more frustrating or less frustrating. It's like the absence of Pat last night. Do you think that affects the outcome? Um, I think that's an interesting question. I think that was a Connor game, to be honest. Like, uh, I didn't think, especially with the lineup Iowa had there at the end with Bohannon, uh, Perkins, the Murrays, I think Connor's the right guy in that situation. Um, I think Connor was the right guy to have and throughout a lot of that game. Just he brings. Wait, so are you saying even if Pat was 100% healthy, you would have started Connor anyway? Not start him, but I think Connor would have been the guy I want playing more minutes than Patrick. Um, oh. Just because I don't, I don't think the way that game had gone, you didn't necessarily need scoring, um, which is probably – what Pat does the most of, I think you needed like really, really savvy defense. Well, compared to Connor. Yeah. A ton of, a ton of uh, toughness. Like Patrick's tough, but like Connor plays with a little bit of an edge um, and someone to get kind of Keegan and Chris into their spots. So um, I, I also, but I think your point is if Iowa wins a couple games and they have Patrick it adds a little bit of a dimension for for um, for a potential showdown in the Big Ten tournament, which is probably when you need him. You need bodies. Um, if I was going to go four and four, yeah. My weird thing is, I feel like having Patrick start d- doesn't change the outcome of the game. Uh, you know, based off of how things went last night. I don't know. Is does he add three points? To this Iowa box score, probably. But he probably takes away Peyton Sanford's. I mean, that's you got a really nice Peyton Sanford game, and, and that may not happen. Uh, maybe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I suppose it's a good point. But like, I mean, Connor had zero points. And yeah, he, and he only played. He only played twenty four minutes. So it's not like, uh, you know, Patrick's going to be eating that a huge percentage of those in theory. That's a, okay. Um, okay. Okay. I see what you're done. So, but also, you know, if any, I feel like he could take away from Chris a little bit too, maybe. Um, I don't know. Just overall, we're 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 night. Um, didn't the FS1 crew stunk? And were they? Were I, they I just don't think remote. They were. They had to have been remote. There's no way they were on site. Um, and a, a bigger, biggest takeaway for me than all is like, I don't think this Illinois team is better than the one last year. Um, I think no. Andre Corbello is a paper tiger. 
I don't think he's that good. Every time he was on TV, my mom, who hasn't watched a second of college <laughs> basketball ever, she was watching the game and she she goes, that guy falls all the time. He slides around everywhere. And I was like, that's right. He never, he felt he flopped every single freaking end of possession. Um, I just, I don't like Illinois. Uh, it's whatever. I luckily, I don't interact, even though I live in Chicago, I don't interact too closely with uh, Illinois fans or grads. So it's not a, not a huge deal for me. You know what they say about Chicago? Uh, Iowa is Chicago's Big Ten team. It's Big Ten. I, I'm, I'm well aware. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so just kind of going backwards, let, let, let's do this quickly. The Nebraska, Northwestern, and Michigan games. I think what impressed me the most was the fact that Iowa went on the road twice and still was able to, to beat teams playing kind of well, like Nebraska – that's the last game they lost. Like they went and won three straight, which is kind of crazy. And, and they very well could have beaten Iowa if Iowa doesn't play as well as they did um, on Friday night. I think that was Northwestern man. I mean, that was, that was a brutal one. Um, and then the Michigan one, I think Iowa got some pretty good punches from them, but I'm not going to miss Eli Brooks. I'm not going to miss Iowa playing Eli Brooks. I'm going to miss Eli Brooks when I watch a random Michigan game, but not when Don't, they're playing Doesn't Iowa play a winner? Doesn't Iowa play a winner of Nebraska-Northwestern? They do. They do. Okay. So, um, I I guess, do, do you have any thoughts about the, the prior three games, or should we just get straight into Big Ten tournament talk? I, I mean, no, not really. I'm trying to think... I mean, it's always great to bludgeon Michigan State. Nebraska was always at arm's length, I guess, um, but still never really felt like a game that was in doubt. And then going back and beating Michigan on senior night, you know, can't, right? It was, wasn't their senior night. Can't really ask for anything better than that. Yeah, Iowa won on three of their four available uh, senior nights, if that makes That's sense. Suck it. Suck it, everybody else. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so that brings us to the Big Ten tournament, where Iowa is the number two betting favorite. Which nothing can go wrong in that insanity, absolute insanity. <laughs> I was just beside. Were they even number? Were that. they even number? Well, well, they, well, they, they couldn't have been number one last year. So even when they were a two seed, they were probably what the third, third favorite in the big 10 last year, you'd have to go back. Yeah. I, 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 I'm beside myself to, to see Iowa plus three forty as the opening betting line. Um, and they, they have to go through the, the other one that stuck out just from a sheer insanity perspective was Nebraska uh, 1,000 to 1, which they've won three straight games. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm not that, saying, but I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to win the thing. I'm saying 1,000 to 1. They should not be the lowest number on there or the highest number on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and Wisconsin should probably not be plus 900, but I imagine some of that is Johnny Davis related. Johnny Davis, yeah. Uh, do, do you know his status by chance? I have no idea. Do you? Uh, let's let's fire up the, the Google machine um, while we go through this. So um, I'm going to have a Ponks column uh, Wednesday, mm. but the – those are the first two things that stick out, just how wild Iowa's line is and how and the Nebraska one. The other one that kind of surprises me, Purdue at plus 170. Like, this is a team that is by far the most talented, and that's obviously what they're, they're, they're betting on. Yeah. I, I – I, I don't get this Purdue team as someone who went there during like the halcyon days of baby boilers defense first. They're Iowa. This is like when I watch them, I see some of the most frustrating Iowa teams that were super talented that just didn't care enough. I was never had a Travion William. I was never had uh, Trey Williams. Yeah. They never had a Travion Williams. They've never had a Zach Eady. They've never had uh, a, a point guard like Purdue has. I can't remember his name right Jane now. Jaden Ivey. Uh, Jaden Ivey. They've never had a Jaden Ivey. And I have, I've watched Purdue a lot this year. I, I like Matt Painter. I like all the guys that just said Jaden Ivey is really fun to watch. I just, every time I walk away from watching Purdue, I say if Fran McCaffrey is coaching this team, they'd be undefeated. Not undefeated, but they, they would have won more games. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, not undefeated, but it's like I, I walk away watching all three of those guys, Jaden Ivey less than, than the two big men, but it's like, I was just so underwhelmed by Edie's and uh, Williams's play. Uh, every time I watch them take the court. Here's what it comes down to for me. When you're building a basketball team, if two of your five best players, two of your three best players cannot be on the court at the same time, you have a problem. And Purdue has never explored what having the two of them on the court together looks like. I don't know what it looks like, but the fact that they're not running the freaking triangle offense with Williams at the elbow, Edie at the block and three shooters around them. It just, I just don't know how you can't have something or can have never tried having your three best players on the court at the same time, because then, then you got Stefanovic doing his thing. You have whatever fifth player is playing the best, probably not Gillis because he's huge, but like you're in trouble when you can't play two of your best three players at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's insanity. And then when Ivy is off or – it just feels like Edie is a bit of a head case. Like they both those big men just sort of get into their own head and they have just bad touch around the rim. And it, I feel like it's easy for opposing forwards and centers to just kind of have their way with them. Not have their way, but just create problems on the court and, and in between the years for both those big guys. And, like, I'm pretty sure – uh, there's there's a guard for Purdue. He always wears bright green shoes. I can't remember his name, but it's like he's been playing a ton, and he, I'm pretty sure he's like a fifth year senior who he's playing. Like there, if that's where your scoring's coming out of this late in, into the into the year, 
Um, it's just not, I don't think it's exactly what you want to want to see happen. I'll pull up this guy's name. Was it Eric Hunter? I think he's the guy who had a real nice game against Indiana. It could be Eric Hunter. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, let's, let's, let's pull up this bracket. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm speaking fine or not fine, but like got my ducks in a row with this, but I've said kind of all season that Purdue's people forget that Purdue lost in the first round last year as a four seed. The fact that the Big Ten crumbled everywhere but else. They lost in the first round last season too. No, they, they right? lost in the so, second round to, to Loyola. Oh, to, to Loyola. Okay, that was the second round. People game. forget that though, Ben. People also forget that. Um, but I think there's still a lot of that in this Purdue team. Like, I think that there's still some of that baggage. I think the fact that Matt Painter struggles with the press break is not ideal. I I'm scared for Purdue come tournament time because they strike me as like the two seed that could go down. And Wisconsin strikes me as like the three seed that can go down. I just do not feel good about this at all for the big 10. But when we look at their bracket, I mean, they do have the three teams I think you'd want to be playing between Minnesota, Penn State, the the Wednesday game, playing Ohio State, who is lost without a paddle, um, and then Purdue. So I guess Purdue has the easiest path, and that's where that makes the most sense. But, man, I, I don't know that I believe it. You, you had this statistic a couple weeks ago. Where it was, Purdue hasn't won a Big Ten tournament title, have they? Oh, in the last like twelve years or something, it was only four teams, and I don't think Purdue was one of those teams. I think. Let me see. Because I think I have one. I think I have have the take. Yeah, because we have Michigan. Oh, no, that's that's the. We have Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Purdue in 2009. Uh, ESPN and Big Ten Network's yeah, own Robbie yeah, Hummel was the most mm-hmm. outstanding player. Um, I think, if he doesn't tear his ACL, that Purdue, I think that Purdue team makes a run, if not Robert, that injury. Sad. Very sad. Very sad. Um, do you know where that happened? Fucking barn. You, oh, you, I did, yeah. Um, so that was, that was Hummel, Swanigan. Who was the third guy, right? Wasn't it Swanigan? Oh, no, no, no. It was uh, Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson. That's and each one more, he, who's okay. still somewhere in, in the NBA. Uh, yeah. But since then, it's Ohio State three times, Michigan State four times, Wisconsin once, Illinois once, Michigan twice. I if we have to constrict it to that subset, I think weirdly, I kind of like Ohio state just because um, they, they have to play better. The, these, why? Because <laughs> no, why no they because they've, they've played. I, I think they have to find themselves more than any other team right now unless wisconsin has to build around 
Brad Davis and God help everyone else. But like, I think that Ohio state probably has the most internal motivation to play well, if that makes sense. Um, Purdue to me is still the most talented team in the conference. Uh, But Illinois, I think they're, they're suited well to win this thing just because they just, they just play hard. Like, I mean, they, they play right up to where you could probably call a foul every possession if you wanted to off the ball, but it's, you just have to adjust to it, which isn't basketball, but like it's big 10 basketball, big lights, big stage. So that's my thing with why another, I didn't bring this up, but like another reason I like Illinois and I'll just start with um, the other teams is like you, you say Ohio state, they're sort of your team. I don't, you know, I just don't trust Holtman. You know, uh, he doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in me. I really like Matt Painter, but what he's done with his team all season long and just not being so against, he, he won't go into a zone defense, right? in big 10. Um, so I don't like Matt Painter for that reason. Uh, let's see how Greg guard does without a Johnny Davis. I'll, I'll bet against him all day. And I hate the guy, but Brad Underwood uh, out of the other coaches I just named, it's, it, it seems like the kind of guy who can uh, assemble something with his roster. And w- which kind of brings me after, you know, I, I, I'm glad to see Fran McCaffrey get some hype. Um, so it's like now I'm talking myself into picking Iowa to go on a run because I like Fran better than all the other coaches who are going to be appearing on the sideline against him. Uh, especially if, uh, I mean, is Juwan Howard coaching this? He is. He's been reinstated. Okay, that, but that you, but I don't think we'll see Michigan. That, I, so, I think I'm more afraid of Martelli than Howard. Exactly. And um, so the only other guys I'm going to bring up was uh, Izzo. I can't. Yeah, Izzo, and he. I don't think he's got the horses this year. We just fucking killed him. And so right now, that's why uh, that's why I like Illinois, because I think Underwood's going to coach circles around whoever they see. And um, Iowa, I think Fran McCaffrey has that opportunity, unless something you know weird, fluky happens. And um, I mean, you know, it's like Iowa had a good year. I mean, we beat Wisconsin uh last year in, in this oh, tournament yeah. and then yeah. ultimately ended up losing to illinois right in the next game mm-hmm. um so it's not like this has been a spectacular failure recently for fran but it hasn't it hasn't really been great for him and it just kind of between him and underwood kind of seem like the two hottest coaches in the conference right now and i think you're kind of dancing around something that i've i've stumbled into now Iowa just has the most scores. Like I think Illinois has a ton of scores. Mm-hmm. Iowa has a lot of scores. And in a tournament setting, you kind of need points to come from somewhere totally random at times. Like I mean, Iowa's got I think and four one of guys those scores who, didn't play against Illinois. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's five. Iowa's got five guys who have scored twenty points a game or more this season. And Keegan Perkins, Bohannon, Patrick. Sanford, I think, is actually one, and Chris. So, like, Iowa has guys who can fill it up, and I – damn it, Ben. You're talking me into it now. Uh, uh, I, I get the plus 340, I guess. So, I was looking up the odds when you were talking, and I right now I've got Purdue at 160, and both Iowa and Illinois are at 370. Wisconsin yeah. at 800. 
Wisconsin at 800, that just tells me Johnny Davis injury is serious, right? Yeah, that looked bad. Um, I'm going to address that briefly because Trey McGowan's was on some stuff. Like he was trying to fight Bo Hannon. You're going to win that fight. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, so mm-hmm. credit to mm-hmm. the ref for, for getting holding Bo Hannon back. And then the, the foul he had on Davis was as dirty as I've seen in a while. Um, it was bad. It was very bad. The, it was well after the whistle. And he came down way hard on his face. No attempt at the ball. I can't believe Nebraska pulled that game out. Still just incredible. Only Wisconsin could blow a game like that, I feel like. And require and then have to cheer for Iowa to get a the solo uh, Big Ten title. God. We repaid the favor for what they did to us in football. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That is that is correct. Um, a- anything else is there? I mean, I think maybe the more, as I look at like that Indiana-Michigan game, that looks like two teams who are going to play for whether they get in the tournament or not. Um, uh, no, Indiana needs a run. They're I don't on- think either team has any chance unless they do make a run. I don't. I don't think. I don't think any team. So the big tenants on the bubble gets in barring uh, a handful of wins in this next week. The one who's inexplicably on the bubble is Rutgers. Like, yeah, I like that team. Like, I mean, they yep. have so many good wins and they're going to be, I think there's Graham Crouch. He's like, that's a tournament team. Chad Lysakow said something like the committee doesn't know what to do with them. They're going to stick them in that first four game. And that I wouldn't want to play them because I think they have some of the same stuff that Iowa does. Baker can fill it up. Harper can fill it up. The center they have, Omayuri, he's he's a real good player. And then Mulcahy, he's, you know, he's like if you combined uh, Patrick and Connor into one player. That's a compliment. Right. If Iowa didn't lose to them, it'd be, they'd be a fun team to cheer for, but they did. So therefore they can go to hell. We disagree. We disagree. Okay. <laughs> I just like, I, I like Rutgers. Like, what can I yeah, say? I, I like Rutgers. I like Maryland. I'm glad both of them are in the big 10 conference. I'm the only person who believes that. Um, so there you have it. Uh, a- anything else you want to say about uh, the big 10 tournament or, basketball in general trying to think no not not particularly it kind of just feels like it's the usual in the middle of the season it didn't feel like the usual suspects but now it does again with arizona going on a tear yeah and uh kentucky is rounding together and gonzaga is the de- even though they just lost to St. Mary's, but is sort of the death star after winning last year. And um, like I watched a lot of UCLA mm. recently. I watched them play U- USC on Saturday nights. Like if they don't get talked about is I think that was like one of the flukiest teams to ever make the national championship was that UCLA team last year. And I don't think it'll get talked about or as far as I did, it'll get talked. It gets talked about because it was a COVID year. 
Um, the flukiest Michigan State wins that game if I, oh, yeah. if Tom Izzo doesn't sabotage doesn't his team going into halftime. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I just like last year with the Big Ten, everybody lost. It's they were and it was top to bottom, you know, like Big Ten stinks. And I feel like now this year, with no true great teams, this is the year the Big Ten makes a run or a Big Ten team makes a run when nobody talks about them. That's how these things work in my stupid broken brain. Um, but I, I just feel like or, or it's gonna be Kansas, Kentucky, yeah, Gonzaga, Arizona, and then like maybe Texas Tech or Baylor, probably something like that. Honestly, though, like sign me up for a collision course with Gonzaga in Arizona. Like I, I watched some of Arizona's game against USC. That team, utter delight. They're so good. They're so much fun to watch. They're really, really good. I mean, uh, genuinely unbelievable. And the, Arizona's head coach was like the Gonzaga assistant forever, right? Yeah, yeah, he was mm-hmm. trying to to wait out uh, Mark Few's retirement. Not mm-hmm. so fast, my friend. All right, um, well, Arizona could, could go to worse places. He could. He could. So, Ben, we're coming up here on an hour. Time for our football minute. I'm glad we've repurposed this thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Used to be the basketball minute. Now we got the football minute. Brian Ferentz, officially the quarterback's coach. Abdul Hodge, tight end's coach. The floor is yours. I mean, it stinks. I, it's the most predictable thing. What I've, I know last time we were on here, I said I don't want that QB, fake QB coach to be the QB coach, Rakopi, whatever. But now, would I rather have him over Brian Ferentz? Uh, probably not, still. And I think <laughs> maybe this is your take or somebody else's. But it's like, if this is what it takes to get Abdul Hodge in the door, then I guess that's sort of the cost of doing business. Um, it'll tell me, I mean, one thing I do, the worst part about it to me is like, in theory, Brian now occupies two of what the four most important jobs, uh, on a football team um, to at least two of the yeah. top five are, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So that's Ar- arguably, arguably the two most important jobs. I don't think arguably, I mean, okay. I don't think anybody's going to argue QB coaches. I mean, it's got to be head coach and then one of the two coordinators you can fight for whichever. And then special teams coordinator and then now QB coach. And that I mean, if we, if we go by strict salary, the QB coach, <laughs> when it was Ken O'Keefe, made more money okay, than... this is semantics. I don't want to get into this anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, you're right, you're right. Like, if you're a quarterback, now the selling point is, hey, come get coached by an offensive lineman. Like, that's the, the recruiting thing to me is, you can only hurt. And do you think this is like a temporary thing? Too? Do you think it's because Ken O'Keefe retired so late or whatever? Like, we're, and we're not even going to bother looking for a QB coach right now, which I think is a little stupid, but whatever. Um, but it's just like, I feel like it can only hurt recruiting. I have so many mixed feelings about it, but most of them are negative just because we have so much 
baggage with Brian. I think that that's the issue of what what Brian Ferentz brings to Iowa football is the resume test, right? Like, I mean, how much did he add to his resume last year? Four or five plays, if we're being serious. Um, And so we start there. And then I think the QB recruitment point, like you're playing in the Big Ten. That's, That's the recruiting standpoint from an Iowa perspective. I think C.J. Beathard so far away. You can't necessarily sell, oh, you can be an NFL quarterback. Come come learn a pro-style system is not what it used to be. Um, I don't know if we see quarterback recruitment tail off um, simply because there's, to, to borrow your phrase, feet in the door, right? I mean, they've got their guys through 2023 um, in May, right? And uh, Lanez. Lanes, Lanes. Yeah, Lanes, Lanez. And so I guess <clears throat> it's like if they keep on winning, then, you know, it'll recruit itself. Yeah. But I, I think it's a stupid move too, because now like Brian and maybe Spencer Petrus were able to hide, hide behind Ken O'Keefe a little bit last year. And so, and Padilla was too. Now there's nobody to hide behind. Like if we repeat, if Spencer and Padilla and the offense overall repeats the results of next year, uh, the say repeats this year's results next year, and it's not going to result in 10 regular season wins. I'll tell you that much. Um, then like, there is absolutely no excuse whatsoever for us to continue. Iowa to continue employing Brian as offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I said somewhere that, like, Brian Ferentz has a job he wouldn't get anywhere else right now in, in terms of Power 5 offensive coordinator, and he got a job that he would not get anywhere else. I get that, like, quarterback coach within this Iowa football setting is more installing the offense, etc., and... This is my one positive feeling about this is that the most time that Brian can get with these guys is now there for him. So if he's able to take this job with some humility and understand the issues that placate the offense as a result of its complexity, its structure, et cetera, take some coaching up. Because I think it'll it takes guys who are confident in themselves and like Petrus and Padilla to be like, hey, they're not we're not doing this anywhere else. Quarterbacks are not doing what they do at Iowa almost anywhere else. Maybe he's able to streamline the offense, make it simpler. Um, <laughs> but I'm not convinced that can happen. Like I mean, I'm just not convinced that that he has necessarily the humility. We talk about his acumen or people talk about his acumen all the time, whatever. Um, but it, ultimately it still kind of comes down to what is it? Kirk Ferentz. I mean, what do you call it? Not my, not my circus, not my monkeys. Like, I mean, it's, it's still Kirk, Kirk Ferentz is still the ringleader of the, of the offense. And I don't see that necessarily changing. Yeah, not my pig, not my farm. Um, 
it just <laughs> really it's like the least surprising thing of all time. Yeah. Really. And I'm I'm not sure why we thought anything else was gonna happen. Like why why do we even make a wish list of quarterback coaches? Cause it was like we can just throw Brian in here and that'll be that. There's nothing we can do about it. And oh, by the way, like, do you think Abdul Hodge was just, I don't know, not like a grenade to fall on or anything like that, but it's like, how much worse would we feel about this if Hodge didn't come in, wasn't part of this package? Yeah, I think I have kind of the flip side of it, right? Which is like, God, this sucks that like, Abdul Hodge's return is marred by Brian Ferentz going going to a, a quarterback coach. Because yeah, I mean, yeah. welcome home, Abdul. Like that should be an utter delight. Um, but and I think my takeaway with the Abdul Hodge thing is like he he's on the boat now. I mean, he, or in the car, in the in the room, whatever you want to say. And that's that's a guy you want. On the bus, excuse me, on the bus is what Thad had said yes. in, in the Slack. Yeah. Um, that's a guy you want there. He's going to be fine as tight end coach. The balance of these moves is going to be determined by one man and one man alone. The fail son. Correct. Is is that what, what we're going to have to do what, next year is just refer I, to him exclusively as the fail son if the offense if, goes sideways? Well, we already referred to them anyway, so it's nothing new. I'm curious now is like, what if I was tight ends have a huge drop off next year? It's like all of a sudden, Brian was this tight end whisperer. <laughs> I I will have to see that to believe it. To be honest, I mean, what, um, would, we, what would we even know what it would look like if just like Laporta all of a sudden became an absolute stinker and. Who is going to be Lachey again next year as his back as the number two tight end? If oh, yeah. both are total non entities. No, if the number one, uh, the number one tight ends, the the transfer that came through. Like, my take on like Brian Ferentz as tight end coach, incredible ingredients for one season. And after that, the development of Laporta, he. Laporta didn't really impress me until the very tail end of last season. Otherwise, he was like kind of a, for Iowa, replacement level tight end. You just have to be so good at tight end at Iowa for me to be impressed. I think he's a good number one tight end. I mean, you, you but can't, for Iowa? You can't, you can't compare him to Hawkinson or Fan, but it's like, what? You, 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 I don't know. Maybe he's a step below like Krieger Koble. I don't know. Yeah, that that's probably probably the guy which is nothing to shake a stick at it's right a, a good ball player but it's like it's not the not the tight ends we're used to seeing but i think that's also a little bit of a minority opinion laporte is a he's a good football player i mean i, I don't want to make it seem like i'm stinking on him but right i guess i kind of am oh well just a little bit oh well well then uh any, any final thoughts no how many days until spring ball I don't know. I think they always do it after spring break. Yeah, makes sense. So probably 10 days, something like that. We'll see. It comes fast, comes hard and fast. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Well, too. what do you say we maybe will we do some podcast? Well, no, these these games are at horrible times. That's I guess that's the last. Yeah, thing. we can, I don't I don't know how I can't schedule anything. I fly to Chicago this week. I'll be back for the games, but who knows? Okay, all right. We'll we'll see, my friend. So for Ben Ross, I'm Harrison Starr. Go Hawks! Bunch of fibs.